get into, let me turn this off. If you'll notice in your bulletin, there are all kinds of scriptures. I normally don't do that because it's scary for you. I know it is. I'm not going to go there. I, that's why I put them there so that you can go there. And um, I need you to be able to uh, read on your own because guess what? If you're only getting something on Sunday mornings and sometimes you don't get anything on Sunday mornings, you're in a most desperate place. So here's the deal. You need to be able to take your bulletin, look at it, read it. Um, not, not read the bulletin for information. Read those scriptures that are under the sermon notes so that you can, uh, you can do something with them. Amen? Um, all the scriptures that I'm, some of the scriptures that I'm going to use are right there. One of them is that I want you to turn to, is I want you to turn to Psalm 33 and then Psalm 139. While you're turning there, I want to tell you about the Bel Air County Fair, Belmont County, yeah, Bel Air, Belmont County Fair. We're doing the uh, fair. We do the ticket gates for them, and what they do is they make a donation to us. I think it figures out to be in about $2.45 an hour for all the man hours we put in, but that's okay. It's not about the money. It's about influence, and it's about presence, and it's about what we get to do in, in light of that is to let our little light shine. So um, getting a, uh, being able to receive a donation is just a bonus. Okay, but here's the deal. We've got all these hours that need filled, and um, it starts on Tuesday, September the 6th, and goes till sun, through Sunday, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So um, how many of you did this last year? They, you were tickets, or you were parking, or you were something. So we've lost some of the people that, uh, that were, were on it, would be on it. So what we need is we need, obviously, to recruit more. It's a lot of work. It's not much work when you get there. It's just a lot of time. That's why it's a lot of work. Um, we're in anywhere from, uh, uh, we've got the time slots from one hour to four hours. Um, whatever you can do is what we need. Um, some of you are available different shifts, and, and we need it all the way up till 10 o'clock at night. So some of these start out at 8 a.m. in the morning. Some of it's just where the vendors come in, and we just need to verify, and, and we provide some level. You have a security guard with us at each of the gates. But uh, you have make sure they're not hauling in 20 people to go into the fair. So we just have certain things that we do. The main ticket gates, I love doing that because it's a happening thing. You keep busy, time flies, you're seeing people. And uh, it, it, to me, it's, it's almost fun, almost fun. So Arlene's going to have this, which is the sign-ups, and it's all done. This is something Terry Daniels will uh, will. She'll update, modify, but if you would see Arlene to sign up, we need as much of your time, as much help as we can. They are relying on us to provide this level of service. There's three separate gates. There's one at gates one and three, for example, that they have. Uh, there's only one booth. But at the main gate, there's three different ticket booths, and we need to man those all the hours of the fair. So... Um, it's it's for nothing. It's for no pay on your part. We're not paying you because you don't want $2 an hour. You're worth more. We just can't do it. So what it does is this goes into helping for our youth programs, curriculum that we purchase, things like that. It's just uh, icing on the cake for us. So again, Arlo, could you come take that? 
thank you. So, see her, my bride. Amen? So, how about you? How much do you know about God? Not enough? How much do you know Him? Do you know there's a difference between knowing God and knowing, knowing Him? There's about knowing about Him, and then there's knowing Him. See, and sometimes what happens is we get caught up in getting to know about God. We might even get to know about history. I have people tell me about Jewish history, and they tell me about going way back, and they study, and they know all the, the different festivals, and they know the feasts, and they know the, the different prophecies, and they know things. But, but guess what? I've discovered that not always do they actually know Jesus. Sometimes they've rejected Jesus. So they've got a bunch of head knowledge, but not a whole lot of heart knowledge. And you know that what head knowledge gets you, don't you? Gets you a big fat head, gets you puffed up, and gets you where you can't, uh, you can't go anywhere with that. My dad used to say that there's no air out there. Because what you do is you become puffed up with your knowledge. So the pursuit of knowledge, the Bible actually says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, not all knowledge is good knowledge. You get that? So do we, do we avail ourselves to the knowledge of God? What do, you, what do you think? Do you avail yourself to the knowledge of God? What that means is, do you read about Him? Do you talk with Him by praying? Do you seek after Him in the good times, not just in the bad times? Do you avail yourself? Because what will happen is He's instructing us. He's teaching us. He can't help Himself. See, He's using everything to work together for good. So that's, that's, what, it, that's what a good teacher does. Uses life circumstances and consequences and, and, and tragedy and crisis. Uses it all. His wisdom, His insight, His understanding. Because what we end up with is Way too limited, see? We need to know His ways. We need to know His mind. We need to know His heart. See, we've got our own. That's not sufficient. And so when we run into that, we need to stop relying on self, our own abilities, our own knowledge. I tell people all the time, you know, unless we have outside information, we get stuck. That's what learning is about. We got to have something beyond ourselves because otherwise we lead ourselves into a circle. We lead ourselves into a wasteland. Do we ask, seek, knock? Do you still ask, seek, and knock? Do you keep on asking and seeking and knocking? See, not giving up, not quitting, not backing up. You might rearrange it and say, okay, maybe I've been asking amiss. Maybe I've been asking for the wrong things. What about, does he make you hungry and thirsty for his presence, for his word? Do we, do we really desire him? Are we desperate? And that's sometimes, that's the explanation for one of the whys about why God sometimes doesn't always do what we want him to do because he's teaching us in the process. The real answer to how well you seek him and how much you seek him and how well you know him is, is really based on the answer of, who you know him to be already. Because what happens is, when if you've seen him, then you're drawn to him. See? If you haven't seen him, he draws you to himself. So it's like 
those men on the way to Emmaus, it says, when their hearts burned within them. You ever had your heart burn within you because God revealed himself to you? Some, some, you had to if you ever came to Christ. There was a moment where you were, the, the switch came on. It all begins with the question that says, why God? For many of us, you come to the point where, like me, I was in some level of success in the business world, but it come down to that emptiness that nothing else was satisfying, and, and I've been there, done that, and I've ruined people's lives, and I've, I've been bad. I've been a bad character, a person without integrity. So it came down to saying, what? What am I missing, God? So here's these questions. Why, God? What, Lord? When, O God? Where, O God? How, God? Who, God? Or maybe you don't think anything. I love what what in Genesis, remember how the, the, the serpent came, it says? The serpent came and he tempted Adam and Eve. Do you remember the thing that happened? The thing that happened is the serpent came and do you remember the first words when, when it came down to um, tempting Eve? How's God said? Now, here's an interesting thing for you, folks. I don't know if you ever got this before, but this, there's a very simple thing going on. He didn't question the existence of God or the reality of God. He just said, has God said? Kind of interesting. Nowadays, what we've got is people who deny the existence of God, the reality of God, question who he really is and who he's not, and try to make him what they want him to be. But didn't challenge that, just questioned if God is. Didn't question if God is, but, but did God say? So what we've come to is people who don't really believe God speaks today. But when the original... It was, has God said, that's the same kind of thing to get us to believe that God doesn't really speak, that God's not really real, that he doesn't care. He doesn't exist. So that means that can explain my miserableness or trying to do everything and my whole existence is based on me, myself, and I, your own strength. Some people have prospered with that. Some people have done really well. And I look at that and I think, God, why would they get away with this? There's one guy who seems to be just anti-religion. I'm glad it's not just Christianity. He's against most all religion, so Islam, Jews, or otherwise, and that's Bill Maher. I don't, I don't just, there's, I just don't care for the guy. I guess I'm saying that because I don't like to watch him. You know what I do, though, is I'll listen every now and then because I want to hear the argument. I want to hear what it is that, has him so caustic. And you know what most of the time what his commentary is? It's about what he sees, the reality of God that he sees in people. And I'm like, wow, that's hard there. Yeah, because you know what? People are a mess in the world. When they come to church, that just makes the church messy. It's the way it is. God would rather you be here than not be here. There's not much difference between us and them. The truth is, we're still in pursuit. We're still, we, we haven't got it all together. We just know the guy who says we could get it all together, that all things are possible through him. So that's part of our hope is that we're not, we don't have to stay stuck. See? People in the end reduce God down to something they can explain or express or 
express away their own opinion of His reality. But the truth is, we know God won't stay in that box for long. Amen? So here it is, this Christian businessman who had suffered heavy losses, and he was tempted to doubt the goodness of God. Why did he allow these reverses to come to me? He questioned. One night as he sat dejected and discouraged before the fireplace, his six-year-old son came in and sat in his lap. Over the mantle hung a motto that read, God, God's works are perfect. God's works are perfect. Daddy, what does perfect mean? Asked the boy. Before the father could reply, he continued, Does it mean that God never makes a mistake? The thought was just what the father needed. Hugging his son to him, he said, Yes, Johnny, that's just what it means. How many of you have come to the point, like his dad, who says, you know, I've got it hanging up above the fireplace. God's works are perfect, but the reality of that in my life, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. Not feeling it right now. Been there, done that? And guess what? God allows us to go there. And God's not intimidated by our doubt. He's not intimidated by our fear. Uh, our fear. He's not intimidated by the fact that we might waver. That's what I love about God. That's part of the greatness of God, is that He's unshaken in His love and His devotion and His choosing of you and me in the midst of all that. See, what happens is, is just like in the garden, the devil, the enemy, brought it all down to, to just being about the integrity of God, didn't he? <laughs> God knows that in that day when you eat from that, you're going to have the knowledge of what? Good and evil. You'll be like him. Guess what man has been trying to be ever since? We want to be our own God. We want to be the one who's the boss. It's a natural thing. It's something we vie for. We compete in this life and in this world. And even in the church, we're competing sometimes. You know what that means? Wanting a little bit of time here, wanting my prayer here heard, wanting to do my ministry, wanting to... That happens. Hey, guess what? It's normal. I'm not wigged out by any of that. When God doesn't do what we want, it's not easy. Never has been. Never will be. But faith is a conviction that God knows more than we do about this life, and He will get us through it. See, that's what faith says, doesn't it? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is, remember, talks about the substance of something that is not seen. Guess what he actually says? A life of faith means that you're going to look like blind people a lot of the time in the natural. But he's given you eyes to see. And if you don't see, then, folks, what we get to do is pray a simple prayer about God opening our eyes. Open my eyes that I can see. That I can see what? That I can see you? That I can see me? That I can see me naked and messed up? That I can see me in the place of glory, in the place of what you're bringing me to? What you've birthed in me before I was an unformed substance? Psalm 139. Omniscient. Here's the, here's the word. Omniscient is to know, having universal knowledge, knowing all things, infinitely knowing or wise. Do you know that 
That doesn't fit any man or any computer. Doesn't fit anything but God, knowing everything. Now, what do you do with that, really, honestly? In the bulletin, if you look on there, there's four questions under the description, having infinite knowledge or understanding, very great or unlimited knowledge. If God knows all, then why isn't everything perfect? Because sometimes, in this case, the person who asked me this question, they have the knowledge or they've heard in church that God is perfect. So if God is perfect, then why doesn't he just reproduce perfect? So if God knows all, then why isn't everything perfect? Why does he allow, and I put parentheses, apparently, bad things to happen? How many, how many know why I put apparently there? Because the way we view it, we think of it as bad. In the midst of it, when it's coming on, it's bad. It's only when we come through it that we realize that there was some good that came out of the bad, which is exactly what God said he was going to do. But why does God, why does he allow apparently bad things to happen? Or why does he allow bad things to happen? Why doesn't he do something to stop evil? Hey, if you're all powerful and if you're all knowing and you know the next uh, car bomb, you know the next, you know, shooter, suicide, mass, you know, rapist, whatever it is, why didn't he stop them, see? Why doesn't he do something to stop evil? And why does God keep his knowledge from us? Because if we only knew, if we could get it here, see, then, then I, would, I would probably, but it's got to make sense. I'm a very practical person, see? So the pursuit of knowledge sometimes becomes a, a stumbling block. Well, look at what is written. What would the world be like if everyone got their own way? Do we have any problems with that? Kevin told me this morning, he was right on the same. It was Evan Almighty, I think it was. Was that the first one? James, uh, Jim Carrey, where basically, you know, he got tired of answering everybody and trying to figure out what the best answer was going to be. Yes, no, and maybe. And so he just went and he hit for the answers to prayers and he just said yes to everybody. And at the end of the movie here, at some point when it comes to the it's kind of like the, that, that epic moment where chaos is happening because everybody's getting their own way. Do you remember that? If you haven't, you, you need to see that. It wasn't Evan Almighty. What was it? Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Yeah, because in Bruce Almighty, everybody, all of a sudden there's chaos. How can everybody really win and get their own way? And if they did, then what? Do we ever have any conflict? How do you ever resolve that? Isn't conflict come from the fact that people are in opposition? Isn't the idea that everybody's winning, is that possible? Is that a, a reality of life? Is it, can it be perfect here in this life? The only hope for us is that what Jesus says, that you've got to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. You've got to decrease. Let Him increase in our lives. And the more He does that, the more capable we are. So omniscience is the divine attribute of perfect knowledge. So, let's go to the Word. Thank you, God, that you haven't left us to our own understanding. So even as we open up your Word, God, we're expecting you to speak to us, to make sense of that which sometimes to us hasn't made such sense, that leaves us sometimes uh, panicking, that leaves us in in a place of of despair, even leaves us with doubt. Why even bother? So, God, I agree that you'll reveal to us in your Word your, uh, yourself, 
and God, that you'll lead us and guide us in truth. And so, God, we acknowledge that we need you. So, Lord, open our eyes, our mind, and our heart, and pour out your Spirit to bring us light. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at, uh, I have you in Psalm 139. I, did I tell you 33 too? Okay, good. 33, it's verses 13 to 15. Now, by the way, I'm, I'm picking out some things. That's a dangerous thing to do. But, but here's what happens is that uh, in Psalm 33, if you, if you read the whole thing, you'll get everything. I don't have time to give you everything. I'm going to give you a couple things. Okay? So one of the things is that look at in verse 6 real quick. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Wow, the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. That's why nations will rise and nations will fall. That's why there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. That's why through pestilence and through earthquake and through all kinds of other uh, other issues or natural disasters or what uh, media has got us believing Mother Nature is doing. We believe what the Bible says, not, not about Mother Nature. We believe that it says that God himself is the one who controls. Now, some people have a problem with that because, again, there's some bad things that happen. There's some hurricanes and tragedies and tornadoes and earthquakes. And yes, there are. Can't explain all that. All I can tell you is there comes to a point where what good does it do to try to wrestle with that and argue about it? Because you don't know. And so actually God has this wonderful dialogue with this guy named Job. Remember him? He says, where were you exactly? That's what it is. Is, is another passage says that should the clay say to the potter, why are you doing this or why are you doing that? Devin, you're a bright young man, aren't you? Does, does mom and dad ever tell you to do something? And you're like, why? They might even tell you, they've told you how to do it. Maybe even dad. This really gets me when Joel does this to me. But he'll be like, well, why do you want to do it that way? I'm like, because I'm like 51 and you're 29. Because I said so. Isn't that the way? How do you feel when you're being questioned? Does anybody like when you're questioned? You're like, come here. Do you, you ever think that God's like that when we're saying, why God? What? Well, show me again. Do it a different way. You sure? Isn't there a different? Why do you want me to go around that way? Isn't the close to the shortest distance straight line? What about a shortcut, God, please? Wow. So here's what he does is, is he actually expresses himself and he explains life in that in the beginning, God. See? So this is part of the greatness of God is that, that he tells us that, guess what? Rulers who ruled for, for 30 years, some of the things that have been happening in the Middle East, right? These, these dictators, these men who were ruthless and have been and have, have put their people in bondage for years. Guess what? That's historical. 
That sounds just like Pharaoh. That sounds just like Israelites. That sounds just like what I read in my Bible. Men rise up in power and put everybody else into subjection to themselves all the time. And and here's the foolishness of it all is when man first comes to the point where they said, we want a king like everybody else has a king. And Samuel, he says, no, no, you don't want a king. Yeah, we want a king. No, you don't want a king. God is your king. No, God's not our king. We want a real king like the other nations have. Just study history and find out how many kings there have been come and go. You'll find out that none of them are eternal. We've got the eternal king. You know that? So here's the deal. Sometimes you just find it in history. Where do we get all this stuff? Well, let's look on down. It says, verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Folks, I think I did not go to war. I don't have any war injuries. My dad was in the military. He was in Marseille, France, was going to be deployed in World War II. And you know what? He comes back. He tells me as a young man about his days of wine, women, and song over in Marseille, France, and loving cognac. I don't know if any of you ever had cognac. I never have still. I don't think I will. Wow, that's kind of interesting because to me, dad was my hero. And now he didn't fight in that war. He was like doing the wine, women, song thing, you know. And I'm thinking, hmm, I always had you like Audie Murphy. I had you like some John Wayne. I had you doing some exploits. I had you a superhero. He still is. But you know what? I realize I'm born into this that I've got an inheritance that dad didn't lose life or limb in in the battle. My brothers who were enrolled in somewhere just after the uh, conflict in Vietnam, they were stationed over in Germany. And I realized the blessings, and I realized living in this country where we've got all these freedoms and other men have died in my stead and other women have given their lives. And I realized I've got this inheritance. And how did this happen? just by chance that I was birthed into the right time frame in history and the right locale? How about the idea that my life is intentional and that God put me in this family and in this place and in this region and in this freedom? And that when the Bible talks about a freedom and don't use your freedom, Galatians chapter 4, as license, chapter 5, sorry, as license to do whatever you want. And I understand there's a cost to freedom and there's a responsibility because of freedom. Wow. Blessed is the nations whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Folks, America's gotten kind of puffed up and we've thought, I thought about it the other day. Honestly, I'm say something tough now. President Obama's taken a big hit because he says, you know, if you've got a successful business, you didn't do that on your own. Somebody else helped you get there. Well, we've kind of lost light of the real comment there. Somebody else has helped us. People have helped us. People have given us a little boost. And so it's, it's almost like we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. But what's happening is if we actually think that our success is totally based on our own abilities and our own, you know, our, our own dreams and goals and we've worked hard for this, we're going to miss it because the truth is it's the favor of the Lord. That's given America her victory. The favor of the Lord that's given us influence. It's the favor of the Lord that's given us wisdom. It's the favor of the Lord that's given us technology. It's the favor of the Lord that we've been the leader in the world for how many years as a young country. I never forget that when I was in, in, in school. 
high school even, and hearing about Great Britain and hearing about China and the, the dynasties and realizing how old they are and how young we are, and yet we're winning all the medals. We're the rule, ruling world power. And I'm like, that, that doesn't just happen by chance. See, we're, we're here for a reason. We've been birthed into this place for a reason. Why? It's the greatness of God. And His knowledge and His knowing, knowing everything, knowing that God, uh, that there is a time coming for each and every one of us in America where we're going to have a choice to make and we have a decision to make. And that decision doesn't have to do with an election. It has to do with morality. It has to do with principle. It's going to have to be with what we really stand for. It's going to be with what, what, what we're willing to live our lives according to. You see? Those are the things that are really the time-tested beyond presidents, beyond parties, beyond kings, beyond kingdoms. And so blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The more we come away from the fact that it's not based on the strength of man, it's not based on technology, it's not based on anything we produced, folks, that's when we're in, in desperate places. That's when we're in a woeful place because we think we've done this in our own. I can't go there time-wise. I want you to read Psalm 30. It's my salvation psalm. Psalm 30. You know what it says? It says, I stood tall and firm and I was victorious. Ah! And all of a sudden, God took my knees out from under me. Why was that? Because he brought you back to the place where he could do something with you again. See? All right. Here it is. The perfect knowledge of God is exclusively his attribute. It relates to himself and to all beyond himself and, and to all beyond himself. It includes all things that are actual and all things that are possible. Its possession is incomprehensible to us, and yet it is necessary to our faith in the perfection of God's sovereignty. The revelation of this divine property, like that of others, is well calculated to fill us with profound reverence. Profound reverence. It should alarm sinners and beget confidence in the hearts of God's children and deepen our consolation. So when we're hurting, when we're wounded, we'll find our consolation comes in the fact that God knows everything. And he knows how he's going to get us out of this. He knows if he's going to bring us to the place of sorrow, that that sorrow, that that weeping may last for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. We can't stay the same in the process because if we will, we just extend the process. We got to birth that which God wants to bring forth in us lest that child just dies in the womb. See, that baby, that idea, that lesson, that instruction that God wants to bring forth, he wants to birth it from us. In that, the labor pain itself is meant to transform our life and it creates something in women that you might have this... Remember what it was like? I'm, I'm going to say this as a true statement. You tell me if I'm lying. You thought you wanted kids until they said push. And all of a sudden, oh! oh, oh, oh. Breathe, honey. And in great pain, you brought forth and, and, and for a moment there, you're thinking, this will never happen again. But what happened? 
is God changed you in the birthing process. He changed you and he gave you an ability that no matter how painful the experience was, you had nurture. It was built into you. It's why we lack it, guys. We don't go through that process. Women would share that, wouldn't you? We don't go through that process. And so you have something because of the pain that was involved in the birthing process that actually gives you a fortitude and it gives you the ability to nurture beyond what what we can do. It's the evidence. That's a God gift in you, women. It's a God gift because he shows part of his, his kindness and compassion. He shows some of his qualities that you will possess that we only can receive from you. The smart man would avail himself to the nurture of his helpmate, of this woman. You should say amen to that. Let's look at uh, verse 13 to 15 now. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men, meaning everybody. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. Let me tell you, when you don't understand, God still understands. That's what the Word of God says. Even when you don't understand, He understands. Okay, to Psalm 139. I got to talk fast. I didn't say less, I just said fast. Here it is, ready? Psalm 139. Verses 11 and 12. See, remember the first part. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You know, you know, you know, you know. He's intimately acquainted. See? Look at it. Verse 3. You understand my thought from afar. Before you put words to it, it's a thought and he knew it. See? Before the word gets on your tongue, he knows it's coming up. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. That means there's nothing hidden from him. That means that we're naked before him. Intimately acquainted. That is the, 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 the relationship, the divine relationship of a married husband and wife in covenant relationship. That's intimacy. That's what that is. That's what he's saying My knowledge of you is like that. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. And then it gives us this thing I I like to quote. If you put your hands together like that and you're in the middle of it. Ever catch a fly? We were trying to the other day, weren't we? Never got one. You know, it's like that. God says it encompasses him and that's what it is. Before it says the Bible says that he holds us in the palm of his hand. Okay, so you got that first of all. And then it says... um, You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful. You know what it is? It's the womb. It's like the womb. Right there. But unlike us, where the carrier can ruin the package, drinking, smoking, other abuses. This one here, God says you're safe and secure like nowhere else. Why is that? Because there's no one like him. Let's get down here to verse 11 and 12. Remember it says that darkness, if I try to go here and there, you can read the rest of that for yourself. If I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me, 
and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the light is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. See, God knows everything. He sees everything. He is everywhere. Let me end with these two things here shortly. I've given you all those, those scripture references for you to be able to look into. It's great Bible study, great devotion, great for you to say, boy, he didn't get to much, did he? The scriptures, they declare, this is what, uh, there's this, uh, it's a Bible dictionary called Ungers. It says, the scriptures declare the divine presence, prescience, and at the same time make their appeal to man as a free and consequently responsible being. He gives you the freedom to doubt. He gives you the freedom to accept him or reject him. See, we're not into this thing where we make you go through the motions, jumping through the hoops, where you've got some. That's a cult. That's not what Christianity is. Because it gives you your freedom. You're free to move about the country. You're free to go church to church. You're free to read your Bible or not. You're free to pray or not. You're free to assemble or not. You're free. You're free. You're free. Don't use your freedom as license to do whatever you want. That's why we're compelled. That's why we have church. That's why we come together so that together we can all accomplish more. We can utilize the gifts and abilities and talent that God's assembled. So Max Locato says this, and it's, in, uh, it's, it's a book he wrote called He Still Moves Stones. Faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. See? That story comes out of who, when his son wants bread, would give him a stone, and when he wants a fish, would give him a a, a serpent. And then it says, how much more will, will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? I love that part. Worship team, if you come on up. It says, remember, disappointment is caused by unmet expectations. How many of you have had some disappointments in your life? Guess what? People disappointed you. People failed you. Sometimes people just left you. They trashed you. Anybody been trashed by people before? Wow. You deserved better than that, didn't you? There's this story. It's about a guy who went to the pet store in search of a singing parakeet. Seems he was a bachelor and his house was just dead silent, way too quiet. The store owner had just the bird for him, so the man bought it. The next day, the bachelor came home from work to a house full of music. He went to the cage to feed the bird and noticed for the first time that the parakeet had only one leg. He felt cheated that he'd been sold a one-legged bird, so he called and he complained. What do you want, the store owner responded. A bird who can sing or a bird who can dance? Sometimes what we do is we come to God and we limit him by trying to give him, I want a bird who can sing and Instead of saying, I want a bird who can sing and dance and lay golden eggs. How about the idea that it says that disappointment caused by unmet expectations and disappointment is cured by 
revamped expectations. See, in preaching about the greatness of God, I know what God is wanting me to do is to exalt Him. To exalt Him above what we're, with the reality of our lives. It's almost like, how stupid is this? You're telling me to charge that mountain and they're shooting at us with machine guns and there's, there's a, a, a thousand of them and there's only two of us. And if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be moved. It's not that you have to go up there. It's that you're willing to go up there. Because God can wipe out the enemy just like that. Folks, sometimes all it takes for us to be able to obtain the blessing that God has for us is for us to say, okay, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to come to you in faith because that's what he's calling us all back to is a greater expression of faith. He wants us to stop talking about it and start doing it. People I run into all the time who tell me all the reasons for their life to be so messed up. And I tell them, I only got one thing. You gave me a bunch of them. I've only got one reason why you want to change that, don't you? Do you really want to? How about this? Do you wish to be made well? Then you got to stop sitting there on your duff. You got to take up your pallet and you got to walk. Guess what? It might be good if you don't lead yourself. Might be good if you start to look for somebody who's going to lead you. I've got just the guy. He's called the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And what he wants to do is he wants you to say, hey, come to me, follow me. You know what? Sometimes we'll have to take up a cross. The cross is that instrument, the same one he's really acquainted with. We'll have to take that up for a little while. But you might find as you take it up, might find that he put a wheel on it. Might find that he made it a little lighter, easier. You might find out that it was... His flesh that caused that cross that you're going to bear to become smooth in those places where you'll grab it. He already took all the harsh places. He took all the splinters. So now what you'll have is it's a little smoother for you to bear than it was for him. Because sometimes we deserve it. He never did. Folks, as we end today, what I want you to do is I want you to go with the knowledge that the faith, That God knows and he's on the throne. And I'm going to ask you this week especially to put him on yours. Because that's what we have. We have the opportunity to continue to do it in our own strength. With our own ability. Or we can come to the God who knows. The beginning, the middle, and the end. We can say here it is. Isn't that what Jesus said to us in the end? Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're heavy burdened, I'm going to ask Kevin and Nettie to be up here with me and pray. We want to just pray with you. Maybe not a heavy burden. Maybe you're in a good place and you just want to exalt God and say hallelujah, amen. We will take that too. Here's the deal. Don't, don't be phony. Don't go out there and look one way and really have something else going on. Be genuine. But come to God. Get what he has for you so that what's happening from you is going to come forth living water and light. And people are going to want to be around you. You know why? Because you got it going on in him. Let's, let's end our time with this uh, worship song. Amen.